one of the things I have this conversation with a lot of people who are newly managers, you often rely on power or you rely on fear to rule because you kind of, it's, it's revered in our society. And so you don't really know, and you might be young or insecure. And so you don't know what, how to manage people without doing some of those things. And those are some of the things that a few, few times I tried to use that as a, a, a you know, a motivation or a lever. And it, it just, it, it didn't sit right with me. It's not who I am, but also it just didn't really work. And so I think learning those lessons, learning like, who are you and knowing that you're going to go through a period where you're not going to get it right. You're going to, you have to kind of bump against the edges until you find that middle ground. Right. And I think for sure, my experience in Australia and later in China, there was a lot of learning but I was also really kind to myself and said, you know, it's okay, you're learning. Steph Barry lives at the intersection of curiosity and growth. From traveling the world as a kid to working around the world in her business, Steph's inherent curiosity about people and how things work has led her to leading roles in B2B, B2C, public and private companies, higher education, and as an entrepreneur. She's lived in five countries and speaks four languages. She's co-founder of Advance with Ava, a leadership development platform for women, and principal of Steph Berry Inc., where she advises company owners in driving profitable and sustainable growth. In this episode of What I Wish I Knew with Mike Irwin and Simon Daw, Steph talks about the obstacles she faced, as well as the qualities that enabled her to navigate the path. So Steph, welcome to What I Wish I Knew. And uh, you know, as we get started, tell us how you got here. I'm a Southern California girl. I was born in LA, so I have blonde hair, even though it's not real, um, like any of other good Southern Californians. Um, and I was born a twin. And I think that's really one of the themes in my life because having that person in my life gives me a lot of confidence. You know, there's this other person that's always been there with you that gets you. And it's, it's just a base that I find that I continue to build on. Um, but we're both really individuals, so we both have also been encouraged by our parents and our family to be ourselves, so that leads me to curiosity, and I've always been a really curious person. I like trying new things. Um, I don't sit idle well, as both of you probably know, um, and then um, that's led me to do a lot of things globally. You know, I took other languages in school. I wanted to travel. We traveled a lot as kids to a lot of crazy places. We went to Africa on safari when we were eight. Um, and then I started, you know, learning other languages and traveling and living in other places. So I think those three things are really a big part of how, where I came from, who I am. And Steph, you, you, you literally talked immediately, I guess, about the curiosity and then the languages. But, but what, what drove you in the first place to, for instance, pick a language? What, what was that about? Well, it was funny. I remember in um, middle school, you could pick French, Spanish, or um, I, well, I went to the ESL program to help the ESL students because I was like, everyone's taking French, everyone's taking Spanish. So I kind of like to pick that path that other people aren't taking. Um, and I met a pen pal and she's still my pen pal today. She didn't speak a word of English. She was from Japan. There were a lot of companies doing business in Los Angeles from Japan at the time. And um we just literally mined our way through seventh grade and got to know each other and she started to learn English and we're still friends today. That's a cool story. So I know that, um, you know, as you, as you got into it and you got into college and you did study abroad programs, but was that something that was very unusual for sort of your, your friend group or your, 
you know, your school group that people went on study abroad or is that something that was pretty unusual at the time? I think in my high school and growing up, not a lot of people traveled and um, I grew up in a part of Los Angeles where people stayed, tended to stay there. And um, so for sure, my interest in doing traveling and global business was very unique in high school. I picked a college, I went to UC San Diego, Eleanor Roosevelt College, which focuses on global business or not global business, but global, global majors and so we were required to study abroad so all of my friends in college we all like went abroad and we all traveled and we all you know really loved to know more about the rest of the world so eventually I kind of found my found my people <laughs> so did you have an interest in in the international world from from where was that again this curiosity piece or or was it in the family what my dad, my dad loved to travel and he would just take us really honestly like I mean who goes on safari in Africa at age eight <laughs> and we went to um, London I remember going to London at this on the side of that same trip and a couple years later we went to Switzerland and went skiing and uh, we just he traveled a lot for work and he took my sister and I with him and so it just opened our eyes to this whole other world I mean not even just we traveled in the U.S. but you know going outside of that was you know how do you how do you get breakfast when you don't speak the language and um, but so many people were so amazing we were really independent and our whole family's that way but you know at eight we would go downstairs and you know Paris and try and get breakfast by ourselves and you know two little blonde twin girls like they just thought we were super cute and so we had really positive experiences I remember one time we got lost on the subway in London. We somehow got separated from my dad and we got off the subway and he kept going. And we were like, <laughs> I don't know, seven or eight. And I don't, to this day, I have no idea who it was, but someone found us and brought us to the other side of the platform figuring he would come back and he did. So, you know, we just found that there was this world of really kind, interesting, fun people out there. Wow. So, you know, I think about a situation like that stuff as a parent, and I, I think, you know, my heart would stop if I realized that, you know, my daughters had gotten off the train and I'm gone and there's no way really of getting back immediately in a big city. I, you know, I'm sure that your dad was panicked and yet, you know, things like that, you know, kind of turn out okay. And it's, it's interesting now that, you know, probably, you know, in our parents' generation, they would have been a little less stressed than maybe we would have been and you know, how much the world has changed. But I think it also speaks to sort of the, the whole cultural change too, that you know, everybody's so hyper aware now of, of you know, things like that, whereas you know, there's a little more, little more trust. So tell us then, as you make this transition, you go, you go to school, you go and study, and I believe you, you did a study abroad in Germany, right? I studied abroad in Germany, I studied abroad in Spain and in Mexico. So I did all three of those. So really, you you studied at UC San Diego, but you didn't really study at UC San Diego. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> there was some beach time in there too, for sure. <laughs> so how did that then translate into as you as you got out of school and you looked at you know where you were going to go and it it seems like your whole career path has been all about you know business and culture and you know international and that kind of thing. How did that inform your career path? Yeah, and I'm going to back up a little. I think your point about parenting is a really good one. Um, and so I'm going to tie it into your question. I think, again, being a twin, so when we got lost on the subway, we were together, so we weren't alone. Um, 
and then having that positive, having it turn out okay, and having, knowing that there's, you know, people out there that will help you and stuff kind of brings, sometimes I think in business, it can be seen as naivete, but I see it as the glass half full, like things are always possible. There's a saying in Chinese from when I lived there, you know, things are, there's always possibility. There's many possibilities. It's not always easy, but there's always a possible possibility or possible way. Um, and so I think, you know, studying abroad, I was like curious and going out and, and figuring these things out and didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, even to my very last year of college. And I did a program during the spring break where you could shadow someone. Um, so I just went into the career center, you know, again, that kind of, it's naivete, but it's also an element of confidence and just that everything will work out. And I just walked in and I'm like, hey, you know, I don't really know what I want to do. I'm graduating in two months. You know, what, what do you have for me? And so they were like, well, we could do the shadow program. And I met this amazing woman who UCSD has a great program and they have a lot of global business, global stuff when I was there, but they didn't have global business. So I was doing poli sci and, and other sort of liberal arts. But this woman that I shadowed did international business for a really big company here in San Diego that does medical devices. And her role was to oversee all the international customers. And I just was like, wait, I can do international and business. This is amazing. Um, and she ended up being a mentor for me for a long time. And, you know, I came back to school and I was like, okay, how do I get a job in international and the world trade center? It wasn't yet the world trade center here in San Diego. It wasn't yet affiliated, but they had an office that was doing that kind of stuff. And again, just walked in the door and I'm like, Hey, I'll work for free. What can I do? And just met people and learned and grew from there and got it. And at a networking event, did the same thing. I was just talking to this guy and he's like, Hey, I need someone. Can I hire you? I was like, great. And so I just kept going and that's how I got into international business. I mean, it feels like Steph, you, you know, you, you started your career, almost a mindset, you know, that you were, you embraced culture, you embraced international travel and then you got onto the curriculum of, of business and for some people I guess listening may say well that was all sort of planned out it was it was a journey but actually for a lot of other people you know you think of the what I wish I, I knew and it sounds pretty pretty basic now but for everybody I guess what's the learning there that just get out there and do as much what travel and you know learn a language just do things that you never thought were possible what's what's the learning there possibility you know that just trust that things are possible there's that saying you know follow your passion and you'll never work a day in your life and I'm not sure that's always true it's hard to to find your exact passion in an exact job but I definitely was just following my passion I think the support of my parents you know my family was hey it'll work out you know college is your time to, to figure it out try things try new things go work somewhere for free, see if you like it or hate it. Um, so that freedom of moving around, I mean, to the point, I loved living in Germany in terms of the experience, but I had always thought I would move back there after college and get a job. And after living there, I'm like, you know, I'm not sure this is where I want to live. Um, but it was a great experience. So, you know, trying things that then maybe don't fit right. You're like, okay, that doesn't fit exactly right. I learned something I grew, but you know, this other thing, it's why I ended up in Spain and Mexico the language is just a little easier and just a little more of my fit for my culture. And in San Diego, Spanish is really important. So I switched over to a language that could keep me back here in California. 
Absolutely. So follow your passion, believe it's possible and keep going. Do you feel like there's a, there's a mindset though of a willingness to, to try? I mean, you talked about, you know, walking into places and ex exploration, that sense of exploration and curiosity is part of it, but it also seems like, you know, there's a degree of boldness of like, you know, I don't know and that's okay. So I would say, and the word, the reason I use naivete, and I don't want it to be a bad word, it's often because I was so young and many of the pursuits I did, people would often use it in kind of a, hey, she's young, she doesn't, inexperienced or whatever. So I think, but I was, I look back and I was, I didn't know it wouldn't be possible. I didn't know people would say no. Like, I just was like, I'm going to go do this. I think as I've gotten older, it's, it's more bold. Like, hey, I'm courageous. They might say no, but that's okay. And so I, I, I think just that, you know, hubris of youth maybe early on, but now as I'm, as I'm older, it's like the, it's okay when people say no, and it's okay if they say it's great, if they say yes. So it's a little more thought out. So just on that then, and, and having that massive experience yeah, of, of culture, of, of the international piece, and, and you said you had your mentor, what made you then choose the kind of next role? What, you know, were they, um, you know, elements that were the output of your DNA and what you wanted? So um, I had that job and then I got another job. Um, I think I just applied for it. I think anyway, I was working there for about two months and this is my favorite women helping women story because I benefited, but it was the first time. Well, the woman that I shadowed helped me too, but this woman I worked with, pulled me aside and she's like, hey, there's this job job um, opportunity in the newspaper, that's how old I am, in the newspaper and um, <laughs> you should apply for it. I'm like, oh no, I'm, you know, I'm just starting my career. I've only been here two months. Like what, you know, and she's like, no, I know, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity for you here. You're like really sharp. I want to help you. And she just really encouraged me to apply for this other job. And it was the job at WD-40. And so I applied for it. And again, I just didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, applied, went through the interview process, you know, did my best. I remember changing my clothes in the gas station bathroom on the way there because one company was a tech company, was more casual. And, you know, WD-40, I wanted to wear my suit. So, um, you know, interviewed. And after the second interview, apparently it was me and another person I found out later and I we were going to go away or something for the weekend and everybody kept asking me if I got the job and I'm like I don't know and I was like well I may as well call and ask you know and so I called and it ended up being someone we all know Graham and I called Graham and I was like hey I was just wondering if you made a decision and he's like we did we're gonna hire you and he told me later it's because I called him he was trying to weigh up the two and because I no, in, in reality, it was actually my impatience, but, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, it was also just, you know, a, a professional persistence, but, you know, because I called him, he's like, oh, we'll give it to her. She's proactive. And I got Excellent. the job. Excellent. You know, that's such a fantastic story in, in so many ways of someone advocating for you and saying, hey, look, here's something I, I really think you should look at. Um, and then I think also you show, though, that, you know, there are times when impatience is a gift. And yes. it's sort of that what drives people to do things is that they're not happy with, you know, the circumstances and not to, you know, stretch this out too much, but I really believe that a lot of things get done because of our impatience. And if we can learn to kind of channel that into, 
you know, productive areas rather than, you know, impatience as motivation rather than impatience as rage or something, you know, it's, it can be a very good thing. Definitely. Yeah. Professional patience. <laughs> so talk a little bit about that then. You So you go to WD-40 and, and you end up all over, the, all over the place, meaning all over the world. Yeah, I, I, I do credit that to the two best mentors I had there, which was Graham and you, Mike. I mean, I, I, mentorship is really important throughout my career. And that's both in terms of support, but also in terms of learning. I mean, you learn from people that have done it before you. And being open to that is really important. And, um, you know, when Graham hired me, I, he said, you know, you, you, he did a Spanish test on me. And he said, you speak, he was newly in the role of running Latin America. And he's like, you speak Spanish. I don't speak as much Spanish, but I know marketing. And I didn't have any marketing experience. It was a sales and marketing role. And so he's like, I'll teach you marketing. And, you know, you help me with the Spanish. And it, and it was great. And But I credit him a lot with that because as a leader, to be vulnerable in that way and to be willing to work with a person that works for you in a way that you're collaborating, collaborating is, is really important. And so that gave me the confidence. It also gave me the confidence to ask stupid questions. I mean, I've never really worked in business. I came from liberal arts. So there were so many things that I did wrong and didn't understand and, um, about how marketing works and promotions and customers. I mean, you know, and he really guided me for the first few years a lot and, and would just be really patient with me and questions in his office. And so, um, you know, and then moved up and kept just kept going and challenging myself. I, again, I think I said this somewhere early on, I don't sit idle well, so I want to always learn and grow. And so, you know, throw me in the deep end, give me a challenge. That is so much, so exciting to me to how to figure it out and push myself to, to be better and to grow and learn more. So then just kind of building on that though then, so then at WD40, you go from, you know, a, a marketing role for Latin America to doing it for other countries and you end up doing, you know, handling innovation, you end up running Australia, you end up running the Asian part of it, you end up running China and all of this kind of stuff. Is there, you know, I realized that was a big fast forward through your time, but as you look at what you learned from those experiences in living and working, you know, during that time and, and that kind of thing, what sort of lessons do you take away and what would you share? What would you say to someone who said, like, what can I learn from that? I think, you know, taking those big leaps, taking those applying, especially when the women, a lot of women don't apply unless they're hundred percent or 150% qualify. Um, I was lucky in that people ahead of me or above me were looking down and saying, Hey, we think she has something. Let's give her this opportunity. And I wouldn't have raised my hand and said, I was ready to be a general manager for Australasia, but you know, someone else came in and said, Hey, we think you can do it. Um, and then in doing it, I mean, I was scared to death, but when I first went there, but also, you know, back to Graham, he gave me this card and I I'd still have it and remember it today. And it basically said, what would Steph do? And it was both, you know, Hey, I believe in you. And like, what would you do? Cause you, you are good enough to do it. But also for me later, it became literally what would Steph do? Like, what's my authenticity? And I think for the first couple of assignments of being a leader or general manager, I 
one of the things I have this conversation with a lot of people who are newly managers, you often rely on power or you rely on fear to rule because you kind of, it's, it's revered in our society. And so you don't really know, and you might be young or insecure. And so you don't know what, how to manage people without doing some of those things. And those are some of the things that a few, few times I tried to use that as a, a, a you know, a motivation or a lever. And it, it just, it, it didn't sit right with me. It's not who I am, but also it just didn't really work. And so I think learning those lessons, learning like, who are you and knowing that you're going to go through a period where you're not going to get it right. You're going to, you have to kind of bump against the edges until you find that middle ground. Right. And I think for sure, my experience in Australia and later in China, there was a lot of learning but I was also really kind to myself and said, you know, it's okay, you're learning. And I think back to the theme of mentors in both of those situations, instead of a mentor, I got a coach. I hired a coach in Australia and then in China, I hired someone who understood Chinese culture because that was very new to me. Um, so just being open to reaching out to others for help, you know, books, yeah. coaches, mentors, you know, it's okay to not know and to learn and to grow from it. So Steph, I wanna talk about that one topic you mentioned about being nice to yourself. And it reminded me a little bit of a conversation I had with uh, my then 14 year old who said, you know, we were just talking about people and she was talking about, you know, we always talk about being nice to other people. And I would never, you know, I think about things and I think about people and there are things that I would never say to someone because it's not nice. And she said, and I would never, and that's why I would also never say that to myself, you know? So I think that when you talk about how you see yourself and how you behave towards others, you know, you were talking about having sort of alignment there, right? Of being, being nice to yourself, much like you would be to others. How does that, how has that sort of affected your, your career and your life? So um, one of the things I didn't bring up was I started running when I was really young and um, I was eight and I just loved to run and I ran cross country and our team in high school was state champions like we were so running runners tend to be type A personality like A plus plus we're going to excel we're going to be the best and I definitely have that in me. And the bad side of that is you put a lot of pressure on yourself to be perfect and to do it right and um. I think there are certain things where I just wasn't kind to myself and I wasn't saying those nice things. I'm like, oh, you can be better. You know, you need to do this and, you know, get it right. Or, but then what I realized is that's just more pressure. You, you don't really learn and grow from that. You just feel bad. And so, you know, you, you often excel. It does push people to excel and they do really well. But I think there's another way to do it where you're pushing yourself and you're challenging yourself, but you're also vulnerable enough to say, hey, you know what, I might not get it right. And hey, let me go ask this person and not try and do it myself. Because there are things I don't know. Um, but then and then you succeed. And then you, you actually succeed, I think, even further than you would have by just pushing yourself. And so that kindness, I learned later, much later, um, through and you know, this is more of a well, I think one of your other podcasts, but therapy is a really important thing in my life. Like I think therapy is very coaches there. I mean, learning from others is an important theme that I'm now seeing as I'm talking to you guys, but it's therapy is really important too. I think there's a personal element of growth that happens when you have someone that you can talk to that you can learn from about why you do certain things and how you can, can move on from those and, and be, you know, bigger, better person. Steph, I get the sense though, 
and you talked about the huge opportunity at, at WD40 and, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, maybe you didn't have enough knowledge of lubricants and knowledge or skills of a marketing as you, as you likely um, uh, shared. Um, but alongside that, you know, you think of knowledge and skills. Yeah. Um, and you said what, what Graham had said to you. And again, I'm just thinking of the learning here for all of us listening I'm getting a sense that it's your, you know, it's your attitude. It's, it's the way you approach stuff and your, your work habits. And I guess I've, I've had that firsthand experience with you, but those are things that are, you know, important and testament to, to, to success in a business. So is that something that you would kind of reflect on and say, yeah, it's about right. Or, or do you see it differently? I've always worked hard. I think that combination of that A plus personality, just, I love hard work um, and my family, like my, my family's, they're Midwest Mormons. Like they're very, my grandpa was a very, very ethical, hard worker. Um, and so that's just a part of our family culture. Um, but I, I think back to the confidence thing too. Um, some of the growth and, and the things that you're talking about are come from some of the women that I mentor in, in the Advanced with Ava program, they they start out with less confidence with themselves or with their abilities or with, um, you know, am I good enough? A lot of self-doubt. Um, and, and I think I didn't learn until later, but I have less of that. And I when I think about why, I, again, I think that's a lot of growing up with someone by my side. You know, there's always someone been there that's like, that validated me like you know as a twin like you're you're looking in a mirror like someone's validating you from very early on and so I think there is this sort of innate strength in me that just you know comes out so it's like there were a lot of things I didn't know when I went to Australia I didn't know anything about sales and and there were customers that were you know like oh you're a Sheila and a Yank you know and it was like okay yeah okay now do you want to talk about business you know it didn't there were things that didn't <laughs> you know, I mean, it could have phased me or maybe you should have, I don't know, but I just was like, no, I'm here to do business. You know, those things aren't important to me. They're important to you, but they're not important to me. Mm. Um, you know, or th some of the sales guys definitely tested me. My sales experience was very low and, you know, for them, it was like, well, if you're going to lead us, you better know how to do our job. And so there was definitely some testing going on and, and I failed a few of the tests, but I finally figured it out. I'm like, okay, I know what they want. And I know how to handle this. So, you know, with my coach as well. Talk a little bit about, you know, one of the things that that comes up in your, your comments, Steph, really is a sense of self-awareness. And that is, I think, I feel like sometimes self-awareness comes to people either individually or as an organization as a result of failure. Like, oh, you know, this didn't work out and we were too bold or we were too... Um, you know, headstrong and didn't really, you know, read the signs. But, you know, you've, you've kind of talked about having that sense of measuring and being aware, you know, at an early age. So what's your advice to the, the people coming out of college today or people just starting in, in their adult world about that lesson of self-awareness and, and, and yet also retaining some degree of confidence that things will work out? That's a really personal journey and, and self-awareness. So for me, it was therapy. I mean, we started, my parents got divorced when we were really young and, and it was kind of messy. 
it was very messy. And um, so we did therapy. My stepmom actually took me for the first time when I was in seventh grade. And so that's pretty young to be, you know, talking to someone about your feelings and, um, you know, what they mean. And so I credit my self-awareness with therapy and starting that early on. And I, that's why I'm such a big proponent of it. It's a super safe place to do it too. I mean, nobody ever hears what you say, you know, no boss, no partner, whatever, no parent, you know, so for kids to go. Um, but I totally understand that therapy is not for everyone. And it's not often a conversation you have at, um, in a work situation. So there's lots of other things, you know, reading a book, having a friend or a partner or a, you know, a family member that you can be honest with, like, hey, you know, I'm not really feeling very confident about this. What do you think? You know, how should I handle this? Or, but, you know, having a mentor helps too. I mean, mentorship, there's an element of, of um, self-reflection in having a mentor, right? Or a coach. So I, I think it's definitely important in, I mean, if you look at EQ, you know, all the books on emotional, you know, intelligence and, you know, the EQ books, like it's a big part of successful leadership. So if you definitely want to move up in corporate and you want to be a leader, EQ is really important, you know, start early and start often, but doing it in a safe environment is important too. And then just kind of building on that, I mean, I'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, what, what you do today in terms of um, Stuff Bear Yank and you help, you know, companies grow. And if you think back about all of your experiences, whether it's Solitude, WD-40, Hunter Douglas, you know, UCSD, all of these organizations that you've worked with and all of the work that you've done, you know, in the community, are there do you see any common themes in terms of challenges to growth and, and why so many struggle with that? Um, yeah, and I will say the common theme is also growth. Like th that's why when I started Steph Berry Inc, I, I focus on growth because that's something that for me personally and professionally has been something that's been a theme for a long time. And um, one of the common themes we're talking about is self-awareness. A lot of the small businesses and small business owners aren't that self-aware. I mean, it takes a lot of confidence and a lot of um, a lot of survival skills to start a business, and that's awesome. But starting a business and running a successful business are kind of two different things. And running it requires a lot less ego, a lot more collaboration, a lot more forward thinking, strategic thinking, and, and starting the business is day-to-day -day bootstrapping, you know, how do I get cash, how do I get the sale, how do I get this customer, oh, I need a person to do this, let me throw a body at it, you know, it's, it's a really different way of doing business um, and growing your business, so starting it and running it are two different things, but, um, and so having that self-awareness to know that and to, um, be step back and say, you know, maybe I'm not the right one to run it, or if I am, I need to change the way I'm doing it. Um, so that's a big, big theme. And it's it's only one of the eight levers I look at when I do the growth analysis, but it happens to be for a lot of small business owners, one of the biggest impacts on the hindrance of growth. Because if you're one person running a business, you can't run the whole business. You have to start trusting other people. You have to start imparting that vision. You have to start letting people help you do that business and run it to the same end goal, but run it their way in some ways. And Steph, that, you know, that personality that you talked about, the entrepreneur and, and their styles and, and their characteristics, that's 
that's got to be a challenge you know without i guess the devil of the detail of of the whole story here but but what you know what's the top line learning um levers that you help or use with characters like that so i really work with the ones that get it um if they're not there yet they're it's not worth my time or theirs um because they're just going to waste their money with me and they'll waste my time um and i understand it takes you're only going to get there when you're ready I forget the saying, but it's true of everything, you know, all learnings about yourself. I mean, what I wish I knew, you're not going to know the things you need to know until you need to know them. You know, sometimes things take longer to learn and you're just not ready yet for whatever reason. And if they're not ready yet, that's okay. It's just not a really good client for me or money well spent for them. So I definitely do some intake before I take on a client and that, you know, make sure that they are in that space and they are ready to actually make the changes that it'll take to grow and to to move forward and and you know i like to work with people that want to grow significantly double digits in the next couple of years you know not three four or five percent um yeah so talk about that a little bit then stuff if if someone is you know thinking about what should they do next you know and whether that's starting you know particularly those who are thinking about starting a business what are the things, you know, because you've done it, you know, at both ends and consulting and, and on the, the business side, are there things that you feel like those people should pay attention to at the front end to avoid problems at the going forward? I think I wouldn't change much at the front end because you're trying to prove the business model, you're trying to prove the concept. Um, it may not be the right business model or concept, and you kind of don't know until you're doing it. And so I think focusing on making that successful is super important and it, it's survival and you do have to survive and if you're doing anything else but surviving you're not going to survive but i would say just knowing that it will change later knowing that that's not the way you're going to run your business for your whole business and there's no magic pill like oh suddenly it's the the concept's proven and you know i have a million dollars in sales um now it's just going to grow to 10 million because it's you know, it's, that's how I got it here. So I can get it there, you know, 10 million, no problem. It, it, that's not true. And just knowing that and knowing that, you know, yes, you're the right person to get it started. And, you know, you do need to go full on to get it up and running and going and successful. But then at some point you need to stop and look at, okay, what's, what does phase two look like? What does the growth stage look like? And how is it different? And how does it function differently? And yeah. So in my experience, what I've seen is, you know, that when it comes to looking at, you know, business opportunities or even career, I mean, you mentioned the importance of curiosity and clearly that's a, that's a big factor. Curiosity about, about people, curiosity about how things work is so important. And you mentioned confidence, which is also important that you have to have the, the ability to believe that either you can do it or you can figure out how to do it. What I've also seen too, though, is there's also sort of an element where humility becomes, you know, important too. And so as you think about, you know, Steph Barry Inc. and the work that you do there, is there, is there a place where humility comes to play that influences whether someone is either willing to be helped or even help a bull, so to speak? Mm. I guess I tie humility and self-awareness into the same thing. I mean, if you're self-aware, you're willing to be humble. So I look to see, I look for cues about their understanding of their own business 
um, in, in when we do like a, you know, initial intake, it's, you know, they, are they stuck in the past? Are they talking about forward looking things? Are they open to, you know, if there's different ideas about change, are they embracing those? Or are they, you know, dismissing those? Um, so for me, I guess I look at it as it's a growth mindset. I'm looking for a growth mindset, which includes, it does include humility, but includes self-awareness. It includes, you know, forward-looking, positivity, solution-oriented. So Steph, you talked about something which I think is really fascinating and that, that growth mindset. And um, I'd love to hear you define that in a little bit more detail. Like what does growth mindset really mean to you? And maybe talk about it in the context of either different stages of life or different stages of career or business and, and what it means. I think for growth, growth mindset is something that I've just come to really appreciate as I've gotten older and also for my business. But I, let me, let me address it as a, and I have a teenager. Thank you for bringing up your daughter. You know, I have a teenager as well. And I look back at myself as a teen and I think growth mindset back then is like, I just can't wait to be an adult and be taken seriously. Right. I mean, you just don't really, you might be doing things like, you know, following your curiosity or following your passion, but you don't really think of it in terms of your own mindset. Um, so I think for me, it became something I looked at as, as I got older, was a leader and even just personally, and growth mindset is really the key to growth for your business, growth as a person, happiness, success. It, it's often used along with authenticity, but a growth mindset is someone that's, you're looking at the past, but only for learnings. I think they say, you know, only to take quick glances into the rearview mirror. You should be driving a car facing forward, right? You look in the rearview mirror quickly to be to know if something's coming up behind you, but you know, you're not focused on driving that way. So I think number one is forward looking in terms of having a growth mindset. Um, but also being, you know, honest with yourself about your own abilities, that humility that we were talking about, you know, your, your abilities and what you, what you as a person is important or as a business, you know, what, you know, why did you start the business now that it's past its startup phase and it is, you know, going entity, what, what do you now want? And, and what is your own goal? Um, believing it's possible that sense of everything's possible. And one of the things I talk about is there's growth opportunity everywhere all the time. It's just a matter of what you're willing to do to get it and what you're willing to not do. Um, you know, COVID's been a really tough year for a lot of people. And for a lot of people, those businesses surviving, some of them aren't, weren't able to, but there is, there are areas that they can grow. It just means a transformation or a change in their business. Um, and so that, that possibility, that sense of possibility, and, and I think courage and confidence, you just kind of always have to have that, but you certainly, if you were a startup, you certainly have courage and confidence. I mean, you, you started with that, but don't forget that you have that and don't forget that that's important, but use that courage for change, change going forward, you know, not just change. I mean, not just the courage and confidence stuck in the old way it was, but where you headed and knowing that, you know, hey, you might have to hire some different people that have different opinions or that look different that you, than you, or you might have to do business a different way. You started as brick and mortar, but you really need to do, you know, e-commerce now. Um, 
but that's that's the sense of opportunity. Maybe it's a bit of adventure too. The growth mindset is the sense of adventure. Yeah. How do you, you know, again, thinking of the entrepreneur, lots of ideas, lots, you know, and those that are positivity, like you said, and a sense of uh, possibility. How do you manage that in terms of, I guess, or do you get situations where you have to temper that because people just want to go off in that, you know, white space, whatever, and or growth, um, you know, uh, grow internationally when you you have a real sense of of realism, you know, in terms of growth, growth, um, uh, uh, growth, growth steps, I guess. Yeah. So there's definitely two, two different areas where people come to me. It's, it's, um, that, you know, they're kind of going into the second stage and they don't really know how to grow. It's different. But then the next one is what you talked about, Simon, and that's, they either want to like, Oh, we'll just launch internationally or some big international customer distributor comes to them and they're like, Oh, we could sell like a lot of product. Let's sell, let's just sell it. Um, or there's all these opportunities coming at them and, and they're just trying to pull all those growth levers. Like there's the, I use four external and four internal growth levers and the external ones are not easy to pull, but they can be very, very enticing to pull. Right. So, you know, this guy wants a container of $60,000 of your product from Russia and you're like, okay, great. You know, that's 60 grand we didn't have yesterday. But there's all sorts of regulatory issues down the road. The guy, you know, or if you sell it to you know, other places where they might counterfeit your product, you know, there's long-term consequences to that. And um, so I definitely, usually it's a little bit after they've had problems, but I really try to talk to them about, okay, you need to look at both the internal and the external and what that most importantly, what that sequence is. So you can launch a whole bunch of innovation products, but if your customers aren't ready or your sales team doesn't know how to sell them or the market's not quite ready, then it's not a good idea. And so you need to, and can you manufacture them all? Um, so sequencing those in the right order for your business. And so the growth audit I do is totally custom to that business and that, that business in terms of the industry, but also in the market and what's going on, but also in terms of, them you know what is the leader like what kind of infrastructure do they have you know what's the level of skills with their team and then helping sequence out okay here's a roadmap for your growth here's what you need to stop doing here's what you need to do and here's what or you need to do it in so kind of building on that then stuff i mean i was talking to an entrepreneur some time ago and and one of his sort of criticisms of of some people and why they don't become entrepreneurs because you know they never stop asking the question they never are willing to actually just do it and he goes i believe that there's a time when you've asked enough now you need to try it because what you'll learn by trying it is more than what you'll learn by asking questions or doing research how do you see that balance between you want to know as much as you can but then you can't know everything before you try or if you try to know everything you'll never get going yeah, and I, you know, when you when I talk back about going to Australia as a, as a GM, like I didn't know how to be a GM. I'd read books, people had told me, I'd seen people, so I had to try it myself. I agree with them. I think there's definitely a balance, but I think there's people that are too entrepreneurial and never launch their product, and then there's people that are so process oriented they never launch their product. Um, so I think there's a middle ground where you're going to take risks, and I think we talked about this earlier. You're going to take risks and you're going to fail, and that's okay. But if you have, 
you know what your destination is, right? You, you, you created a roadmap, I'm here, I wanna go here, but I'm gonna take this route, I'm gonna stop and get gas here and food here. Well, that gas station might be closed. Okay, where's the next gas station? You know, how much gas do I have? And so you, but you still know what your end destination is. But maybe the market has changed and you're like, well, I guess I need to find a destination closer or I need to find one further away. So I think it's, it's just that adaptability. It's the adaptability and the flexibility. And that takes awareness and courage and um, uh, yeah, courage and awareness really and confidence that you can get it, get there. And Steph, exploring, you know, the business model that you bring and, and your growth driver support is, has that kind of gravitated towards particular industries or or markets um it, I, I presume it's a you know it's a uh, ubiquitous but but i mean is that something you've seen in terms of for me personally or just in general oh for it, me yeah i guess for you yeah um so for me global as you know i have a really strong background in global and i love global business but it's a little bit um people are less excited about it right now and people are kind of waiting and seeing and, and there's a lot of other issues going on anyway, you know, just trying to even get supply is difficult. So global business isn't as much of a lever that people are using, which is fine. Um, so for me, I'm focused more on private companies that are smaller, small, medium-sized companies are really um, important right now. And just where I am, I mean, I'm in San Diego and in terms of travel, you know, eventually I'm happy to go back to traveling, but right now we're all kind of waiting. And so I've been focused on that and my background's in consumer goods. So, you know, consumer products, consumer goods, um, you know, building material products. So those kind of products. Fascinating. So tell us about Advance with Ava. You know, you started this organization. Tell us about what it is and um, what you do and, and why it's necessary. So Advance with Ava started because a couple of us that work together in various, we work directly together in the same company, but also even in as one of one of the women was a supplier of ours, we started having more conversations around just business and, and back to the woman that helped me originally, you know, women helping women. And the woman that helped me originally, it was completely, she got no benefit out of it. I mean, it was selfless completely just to help me because she saw something in me and wanted to help me. Um, so it's kind of a combination of both. We together would help each other when we had you know issues where we felt like maybe we were passed over, we weren't treated right, um, or we just felt not as confident. We would rely on each other and, and call each other and help each other to be successful you know, by each of our own definitions because we also had really different careers, all of us. Um, and then we also got to a point financially and, and with ex enough experience where we could give back. And so for all of us, it was also like, you know, we just really want to give back um, and help women learn some of the things we learned earlier than we learned them, um, but also just give them the encouragement and support that we had gotten from each other, from other mentors. Um, and so and then the other big thing about Advance with Ava is, and there's a number of wonderful women's organizations and I'm part of many of them and I get a lot out of it and they spend a lot of time, money and effort to help women. But for us, we wanted something that was more neutral. So it wasn't, it's not membership based. We don't get funding from, you know, companies. 
it's truly about each individual woman. We're giving them the information on skills or tools that they might need. And we're giving them eventually in-person workshops again, but workshops where they can talk about those things where there's, there's no one else there that can, you know, hurt or help them. Like a lot of people, a lot of women talk about they'll go to like industry events and their boss is there, you know? Um, and so it's, it's an environment that's truly about their own individual definition. If they want to be the best bench chemist, they want to be the best executive assistant, or they want to be CEO someday. A lot of those base skills are the same in terms of succeeding at work. And so we're there to just encourage that and, and share those stories and that those skills and tools. So as you think about that part of it and, you know, your experience with, you know, with gender through your career, um, is there anything you sort of wish you knew back when, you know, you were at the front end of your career that, you know, would have been helpful? I, it, it's still a dilemma for many women today. It's a conversation that comes up a lot. It's getting better, but speaking up. Speaking up for women is so difficult. When to speak up, how to speak up. Are you labeled, and excuse me for swearing, but are you labeled a bitch? Are you, um, are you too aggressive? You know, all of these things I've been labeled in, in, at various times in my career. Am I too um, meek? Am I too aggressive? <laughs> like, it, there's just, it's a really fine line to walk. And I learned to speak up much, much later. Um, and, some of that came with my own financial strength. Like some of that is your own financial ability and your own, um, you know, if you don't want to lose your job, you're afraid to say anything. Um, and that's a lot of what we do at Avis, have these conversations about when is it okay to speak up? When is it not? Um, what are the consequences? Are you willing to risk those consequences? Can you analyze those consequences beforehand? Um, so for me personally, um, I think my speaking up was a lot of not speaking up for a long time. And that made me feel really bad about me. And it, it really caused me a lot of stress in my life personally. And I brought it home and I just, it, I had some really tough years. And then I learned a lot more about, you know, myself and about speaking up and, and how to do it and when to do it and where to do it and that it was okay. But I will say all of this is prefaced on the fact that it's not really something I wish I knew. It's just something I wish had happened a lot earlier. I think the public discourse has changed so much. It's okay to talk about a lot of the things now anyway, because of, you know, Me Too and um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and the, you know, environmental, social, and governance factors that, you know, investment companies are looking at. So it's definitely more acceptable to speak up now anyway, which I think is great. Um, yeah, so I, I wish I would have, I don't, I don't know how to change it. I don't know if I needed more confidence or if I just needed someone to tell me how to do it. Or um, I think for me, I never even knew it would be a problem. And it just hit me in the face before I knew what to do about it. And then I was so in it that I didn't know how to get out of it, but eventually I did, you know, I got out of it. I, I'm super happy in my personal life, happy in my professional life. So, you know, there's a, I, I think maybe what I wish I knew is that there is a way out and you'll be okay. So Simon and I talk a lot about um, advocacy and allyship and we do that in the context of many things, but you know, gender is part of it. 
for those of us who by no act of our own happen to be male and happen to be, you know, happen to be white. Um, so we're, we don't face any obstacles really. Um, what can we do? What do you wish we knew? You know, and it, it comes from maybe my own bias, which is I believe that silence is not support. So um, what can people like us do to, to be useful? I think, you know, there's small things like in meetings where, you know, if, if, if someone, I mean, it can be anyone, but it often is women or women, even particularly women of color, speaks up and someone either speaks over them or, um, you know, says the same thing and then gets credit is just making sure that that person, the original person gets credit. And that's a small thing, but, you know, in, in corporate, it's really important, you know, recognition of somebody's abilities and skills. And I think also knowing that um, women lead differently. Women are in corporate environments in a different way, more collaborative and collaborative isn't weak. It's, I mean, I, so many times people told me, oh, that's weak. And I'm like, no, it's actually better. And it re delivers better results. So I think, you know, just understanding that it's different. Oh, I just read an article this morning about some guy in Japan who said, you know, having women on boards is bad because they can't get their point across. They talk too much. I mean, so just, yeah, okay, maybe that's true. I don't know. But if we do, there's still a good point in there. So just be quiet a little bit longer and listen, you know. Um, so I think just supporting those types of small opportunities. But then also on the bigger side, I think for me, I, I did have that from so many mentors like you and Graham who did speak up for me and said, hey, we think she's, you know, capable and ready of this next step we're just going to ask her to you know to to take this next role so I did luckily have people watching out for me which I appreciated and I think that's that's just continuing that a lot of that well gosh Steph really appreciate your time here I mean I think back about some of the things that you covered starting off with curiosity which probably is you know to me one of the most important things one can have in life and you know, following that through that with the courage to actually try things and, and um, you know, the, the confidence to realize that even if it doesn't turn out exactly as we plan, it can still turn out in a good way. And that was evident in, you know, across your work and your willingness to, to travel and work in other countries and in other organizations. So I think there's a lot to be taken away from here. So really appreciate your time. Thank you. And because of what you guys are doing, I think the other big one is you're not alone, you know. You're not alone as a woman. You're not alone. Nobody's alone in the world. So just remember that you're not alone and to reach out to others. And, you know, you guys are doing a lot by helping people learn. So learn and grow. Thank you. Thank you, Steph. Fantastic. We do hope you enjoyed this podcast. And thanks for listening to What I Wish I Knew with Mike Irwin and Simon Dorr. Please join us at whatiwishinewshow.com. You can subscribe to us on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please share what I wish I knew with Mike Irwin and Simon Daw with your friends. We welcome your feedback and recommendations of new podcast guests and ideas on topics. If you have business challenges, we're also available for advisory and consulting roles. We'd be delighted to listen and help. Just send us an email. Our address is hello at whatiwishinewshow.com.